Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I want to talk to a fellow podcaster, um, someone who's just getting started, and that's Craig Folsom. I hope you don't mind if I use your whole name, Craig. No, of course not. Okay, cool. So anyway, just wanted to have you on to talk about your new podcast. You've got something you're just starting out. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Why I Love Disney. Um, I've been thinking about starting a podcast for a couple of years now. I actually guessed it on a different podcast that shall, be, shall not be named. <laughs> and I, as I was thinking about it, I kind of got the nerve to email somebody and say, hey, I've got this idea for a podcast, and I never heard anything back, and then I kind of put it in my back burner in my head, and uh, eventually, of course, it you know sits there, and I'm kind of a creative type that needs a project of some kind to keep it going, so <laughs> it's always kind of been sitting there and sitting there, and I finally decided, you know, it's time to turn it up to full burner, and, and let's go, so the idea of why I love Disney is I, I like to take uh, guests from all over. Uh, guests that have their own podcasts or guests that are personalities in the Disney community or um, anybody that, you know, has an experience with a variety of experiences with Disney or potentially even further out, you know, any of the theme parks, uh, uh, you know, worldwide, even Universal maybe sometimes. Um, and then just kind of have a conversation about what they what they really enjoy about it and kind of draw that out of, of what's, what's something that appeals to them or something that really speaks to them because we I feel like in the Disney community we talk a lot about the latest and the greatest we talk a lot about uh, Pandora the world of Avatar we talk a lot about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge but there's these little things that maybe they're not the newest thing and maybe they don't have the longest wait time but <laughs> it's somebody's favorite it's something that's really cool and some one person is really enjoying it somewhere and and to draw that out and kind of to put a spotlight on that and see what everybody is kind of enjoying in this community. That's pretty cool. So uh, I'll ask you, what is what is it you like about Disney? Uh, that's a, a <laughs> wonderful question. Um, really, what I really enjoy is the interactivity of the whole thing. And you and I have kind of touched on this um, when you guessed it on my show about um, being able to disappear into a place, but for me, what especially speaks to me is the ability to interact with something and see the results of what's happening and, and, and kind of that, that feedback loop um, to, to see it actually happen and, and influence the way it goes, uh, whether it's uh, scene one, um, you know, magical effect in a queue and, and to be able to touch something while you're waiting for a ride or something that has really spoken to me once I discovered it. Uh, is Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom mm. uh, to be able to walk around and interact with those screens and and 
you know, kind of have a story that's unique and all your own and, and what you're seeing and what you're choosing to do and how you're choosing to interact with it is really a magical thing to me. That's really remarkable. Yeah, that that particular idea was really clever. Um, I guess they started with that on the cruise lines and then they decided to move it into the parks. Um, and I think that's a really amazing thing that they're doing that you can you can go around and interact. And if if you haven't played around with it as one of my listeners, um, what you do is you just head over on Main Street. You head to uh, the fire station there. That's to the left. You have the uh, a guest services there, and then there's the restrooms, and then there's the fire station. If you go in there, you can sign up for Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. Don't worry if you don't know anything about it. They'll explain it all to you while you stand in line and show you exactly how it works. Um, so it's kind of a fun, interactive thing you can do. Um, I always like seeing people going around and doing it, and I like to stop them and talk to them when they're when they're doing it too, as they're as they're finishing, of course, not while they're doing it, but and just ask them what they like about it. It's kind of a fun thing to uh, to kind of interact with people in a way. I find that interaction to be almost as exciting as interacting with the uh, with the kiosks because you're learning something from them about why they like it. So it's always kind of fun. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's something that I when I first found it, I was kind of blown away by this concept. Um, and it really plays into, you know, a lot of what I have in my before Disney fandom or before Disney life, I guess, uh, in really coming from like a gamification area, you know, card games, board games, things like that. Uh, so when I saw these cards going around, I heard about these cards you could collect. And I grew up collecting baseball cards, of course, and and. In the 90s, I kind of got into the card games that you could collect, like Magic Gathering. Um, seeing that type of element being presented in the parks and then also having this high-tech way to use those cards and trade those cards, and that really, really spoke to me and, and really drew me in. And then once I learned more about it, it's like, wow, this is a really neat a neat thing that you can do that's you know, a nice break from standing in line for rides. No, that, that's cool because, yeah, <clears throat> standing in line for rides has its place and its purpose, and some of the rides have really <laughs> upped their game um, in terms of standing in line and some of the things that you have interactively available to you and some of the things you see. Um, it's not quite like it used to be, but uh, it's, it's kind of neat to be able to step away from that and do some other things. And I like that Disney is doing more of these things where you can get engaged in things. There's the Now Play Disney Parks app that you can use. And there's some things you can do that are interactive beyond that, too, where you can just sit there and play games kind of in the parks while you're doing things. And they do some fun little, um, it's not quite scavenger hunt-like, but they're asking you to look for some things and do some fun things and interact within the, uh, the, the attractions that you're going into and some of the things that you're doing. So it's pretty neat, actually. Yeah, we um, experienced uh, Galaxy's Edge for the first time in December. And um, as soon as I walked in, my brother-in-law and I walked in, we immediately launched the Play Disney Parks app and started looking at our data pads and figuring out what we could do. And of course, we hadn't rode Millennium Falcon yet, so we didn't have any credits. So it was very limited for a while. We kept <laughs> trying to scan things and figure out what the barcodes were and all of that stuff. And uh, we did it while we were waiting in line for Smuggler's Run. And, and once we finished that first ride and we had credits, then all of a sudden these things started unlocking. And we're, I think we stopped and walked back through the marketplace. I got some of the popcorn and um, all of a sudden I'm looking down and I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can do this mission. I can <laughs> buy a snow trooper costume for no particular reason. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you, know, it, <laughs> you know, it really did add to the sense of place to really feel like I really was in, you know, Black Spire Outpost and, and interacting with that setting. 
You know, and, and that brings around a good point. Um, one of the things we talked about on your podcast was how you have this immersiveness and things, you know, you kind of have that storytelling element going on in the, in the parks. One of the things that really interested me about the whole idea of Galaxy's Edge, okay, Galaxy's Edge itself, you know, kind of, I look at it as kind of a meh to a point, but the beauty of it all, the immersiveness of it all, the, um, the way that they tell the story and you feel like you're somewhere else and you feel like you're in this other world and you're interacting with things that, that happen around you, I find that absolutely amazing. They did a terrific job of building it, uh, building it up. Now let me qualify my meh for a second there. You're probably thinking to yourself, if you're listening, what, what does he mean? Um, I'm talking about the fact that it doesn't really fit in the Star Wars universe in terms of what Star Wars is or was to me as a, as a kid. So I find it kind of lacking in that sense, but overall, I'm still amazed by it and just how immersive it is. And they capture the essence of Star Wars without really being Star Wars. So that's kind of my take on it. But I, I find it really interesting anyway. Yeah, definitely. It was, that was um, one of the surprising things when I walked in there was I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Obviously, I'd seen the, the all of the coverage of it and to see how the data pad worked and, and even... Um, the experience of building the lightsaber is another great example of a, a truly interactive uh, experience where uh, only a few years earlier, I took my nephew to build a lightsaber at um, Tatooine Traders uh, right outside of Star Tours. And that experience was, you know, it was something. He was very excited about it. Uh, he got to, you know, put all those plastic pieces together and, and stand at a bay and <laughs> a bunch of kids yelling and screaming all around sure, him. And, sure. you know, he's kind of getting his pieces and putting it all together. But um, to go into something like Savi's workshop and then to experience that now, obviously, we're talking, a, you know, significantly different dollar amount expenditure <laughs> and all of that. But the 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 show element now of something like that even where you get to see this you truly get to see a live experience it's almost it almost is like a theater show uh, seeing the you know the the lightsaber forger guy talking about the kyber crystals and 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 seeing all of the spectacle in that room as you do this is is totally next level and that that's an amazing thing to me um you know i'm I, I'm on the fence about how I feel about it because the price point is very high, and if you don't pay the price, you don't get to see it. I get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not denigrating that, but it's sort of a weird feeling. It's kind of like I'd love to see it, but I'm not willing to shell out the money myself. Um, so it's kind of that, you know, kind of that yin and yang thing with me. But I, but I've seen enough videos of it and enough coverage of it where people talk about it, where I'm like, wow, that's that is really cool, and I love the idea. Um, you know, I I have several lightsabers at my house of, that I've collected over the years. And they're all just literally just sitting there collecting dust. So I'm kind of like, I can't just, just can't bring myself to spend the money. That's, you know, that's what it comes down to. Um, but that's the way it works. And I, but I find the fact that they have that is really cool. You know, it's another thing that they add to the, to the mix of things that they do, where they immerse you in the story and they're, they're telling you something. They're making it interesting in some way, compelling to you. Yeah. Um, so... Now you were telling me that you you didn't actually go to Disney until you were an adult. You didn't get the 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 advantage of going as a child and and getting it all. Um, so how'd that work out for you when you went as an adult for the first time? Well, it's uh, very funny. Um, we're actually talking off the air about um, a trip that I took uh, as an adult. Um, I went to uh, Las Vegas for work, and part of the part of the side experience of that is my uh, boss at the time had to also go to LA. So I was tagging along with him and he had to do a day's worth of work in LA. And he said, 
uh, why don't you and your wife come out and, um, you know, just kind of, you can have the day in LA, I'll rent you a car, do whatever you want. And then we are going to go do work in Las Vegas in the middle of the week. So we had this one day in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what to do. You know, we flew in late on a Sunday night and we were, we knew we were flying kind of, I guess, just jumping over the mountains, uh, to Las Vegas on a Tuesday. And we kind of had this one day and, and slowly the idea kind of came up. And, and I think my wife said, well, we've, neither of us have ever been to Disneyland. <laughs> we think maybe we should just take like a one day trip to Disneyland and just drive over there and see what it's all about. You know, and I said, no, oh, sure, that sounds like a lot of fun. And we drove over. Uh, it was 2010. Um, I distinctly remember that uh, California Adventure looked like a war zone when we got in there. Wow. Um, we actually only went to California Adventure so that we could experience Soarin' Over California uh, because it had come so highly recommended. Everybody just kept saying, if you're going on this trip, you've got to see Soarin'. And so we said, okay, well, we'll, we'll see Soarin'. Um, but we had this one day at Disneyland and just, you know, drove in, parked in the Mickey and Friends or the whatever the parking structure was at the time, took the tram over, passed downtown Disney, went into Disneyland. I, I joke sometimes where I think about, like, what did we actually accomplish in that one day? Because <laughs> by, you know, we were there maybe by 10 and by two three o'clock we were walking across to california adventure and we got a fast pass for soren and we walked around whatever was left of california adventure and by then our soren fast pass had matured we rode soren and we were back in the car by four o'clock and i think to myself now like i spent six hours at disneyland and california adventure and i felt satisfied like i felt like i had done <laughs> all the things i needed to do and i i distinctly remember looking at certain things and you're like i don't want to write that thing i don't know what that is and you know all of this stuff um so we had that experience mm. and then uh, like a year later we kind of started talking about going to florida for spring training um, okay yep. we go to we go watch a lot of baseball um and we talked about going to spring training and and during the spring training trip we planned, we kind of said, well, it makes more sense to use Orlando as our hub and stay in Orlando, mm -hmm. drive down to Lakeland and see some baseball, go Tigers. <laughs> um, and then we, you know, while we're there, let's take a couple of days and kind of work into this like Disney world. Like maybe we'll drive over to Disney world for one day. And so that that's another trip that happened in my first experience at Disney world. And it was again, a very interesting experience and something where I thought, that was fun. You know, when we were done, we maybe only spent two days there. So I definitely don't think we went to all four parks. Um, but then this, this little nagging in the back of the head of like, this was fun. Maybe we could do this again. Maybe there's <laughs> another opportunity to do this. Do you remember how much fun this was? And then there it was the Christmas parade oh. that really turned it on. <laughs> there you go. That's a great one to have turn it on right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely remember sitting there on Christmas Day watching it and thinking, oh, this is just a fun thing to watch while we're waiting for people to come over or waiting to leave to go to Christmas at somebody else's house. And, mm -hmm. and as I'm like looking around and watching the, the stories of the families that they, you know, fly in always gets to me. Yep. Um, I'm always I'm always in tears by the end of those. Uh -huh. and, and I'm seeing these people ride those rides and I'm thinking, you know, maybe we should go back. <laughs> it's yeah it's a, it's a funny thing you know that those self-promotional things that disney does really do sell very well 
Um, it's amazing the way they're able to kind of present themselves in a way. Even in Florida, they, they advertise the heck out of it. And uh, so we see a lot of advertising for it. And it's the same kind of thing. They do these emotional connection things. And it's sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's very in your face, but it's, a, it's always effective. And, uh, you know, I'll be talking to people and I'll be, you know, just talking to somebody at work. And I go all the time and they'll go, oh, I'm going up next weekend and yada, yada, yada. And I'll go, dude, I want to go. And maybe I was there a couple of weeks ago, you know. But it's that moment when you start thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I had so much fun. I want to go back. Um, this, uh, this one friend and I, we were having a race to see who could get to Galaxy's Edge first. Um, and I actually won the race, but he, he got to go on the uh, attraction before me. So, you know, on Smuggler's Run because it just didn't work out for me um, on the trip I went. It just it, There was all kinds of things going on. But um, it was just funny how that works. You know, there was, there was this race back and forth, and it's like, ah, oh, I win, but I lost. Okay. You know, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Cause we, we do things like that here where we start talking about, you know, cause you can go, you can go for a day basically, or stay one night and come back. And so people, a lot of people do that and it becomes kind of fun. And you think about the things you could do. What could I do in one day? What is it I want to accomplish? I just want to go for the very Merry Christmas party. I just want to go for, um, to see the, to see the parade. I just want to go and see the fireworks. You know, people have their reasons for going and because we live close enough, you can just do that. And uh, when I lived in Orlando, it was a ridiculous thing. We could just go for dinner. Um, <laughs> so it was just, it was just stupid, but it was fun. Um, you know, and there's a certain charm to that, uh, being able to kind of come and go as you please and do what you want to do. Um, so, you know, everybody kind of takes it at their own pace and takes their own thing. And it's really neat to be able to try some different things and kind of put together your own experience. Uh, people ask me for travel, travel planning advice once in a while. And I'm like, <clears throat> You know, make your list, figure out the things that you want to do and everybody in your family wants to do and make sure those are highlights and then try to plan around those things. And then anything else you can add bonus, um, you know, it's just, it makes it really makes it work in some way. So I, I find that really neat. It's, it's funny that the Christmas parade got you. Um, you know, I, I, I like to always go back to, you know, the Christmas parade and I'm going to Disney World are the two things that I always remember about Disney. For whatever reason, those two just stick in my head. Anytime I think about Disney, I'm going to Disney World. Thanks, Phil Sims. I appreciate that. Yeah, back, back in the day. It's just so funny um, the way that all worked out. Um, but it's, it's an amazing thing. So you, you've got, now you've got your, uh, your regular trips planned. Um, how often do you wind up going these days? Well, I think we're kind of, I am averaging about two trips a year now. Um, it's definitely one of those things that, again, as the, as the number of trips has increased, I start to find new uh, rationales in my head because I'm not trying to do everything on every trip as I start, I start thinking to myself, okay, well, what if I did a trip that's just for, you know, flower and garden or just sure. for, uh, you know, something. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I kind of, I think I'm slowly transitioning into that phase, uh, in okay. my uh, <laughs> journey as a Disney fan, but I do also have a really cool opportunity coming up this year, which is, um, my wife and I have been talking about going to Europe for a couple of years now, and we finally decided that we're going to do a Europe trip. We're headed over there for two weeks, and as we were looking at all of our options, Disneyland Paris just, of course, was in the conversation, and it managed to work out, and it's right there in the middle of our trip, so I get to go experience those parks. Um, and, and still just trying to work in, you know, at least count it as, I, I at least get two Disney trips a year, if, even if it's sure. not the uh, you know, Orlando twice a year. It's at least getting that experience twice a year feels really good to me at this point. Yeah, that, and that's great. And that's that's a good way to look at it. The, you know, I find that 
once in a while, you know, I'll be at work. I, I work close to one of the Disney outlet stores. And so I'll, um, once in a while for lunch, I'll just go over there and just browse through the store. If there's anything interesting, I might purchase it, but it's, it's always just kind of fun. It gives me that moment of Disney without having to go anywhere. And it's, it's that same kind of a thing where it's like, I get that little Disney touch, get that little experience. I wind up talking to the people that work there. They're all cast members. And I just have a little fun with it for a few minutes, you know, and it's just a lark for a couple of minutes. And it's like, okay, it gave me my little Disney fix. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's funny how that works. And I, and I still wind up going regularly and I've made fans from my kids. My wife is less of a fan than, than any of us, but it's funny cause I'll take the kids whenever that, you know, pretty much whenever they want to go, you want to go, let's go, you know, we'll just make a trip of it. And it becomes this fun time with where I get to interact with my kids sort of one-on-one. -on -one. Um, sometimes I'll take more than one. I have three of them and I'll, sometimes I'll take more than one, but, um, typically it's just one and we'll go and we'll have an experience together. So this is a shared experience that we can have and we talk about them and that makes it always kind of fun that we can go back and think about the things that we did and what, how we shared in that experience together. And for me, that really, that really sells it because I do go by myself sometimes, but when I go with that, go with them, it's a completely different experience. Um, that's, that's a good point. Cause, um, you know, in all those trips, uh, sometimes it's just my wife and I, um, I mentioned one time I, I took my mom, um, while she paid, but I, you know, kind of was the guide at that point. She said, you're the expert, show me around. I'm not going without you. So, um, I like to say that I kind of guided her around and, um, uh, but then there's also these other trips where we go with, uh, larger groups or family members, you know, and, and they're all like, I can't, I do kind of think about that and, and, you know, even though I can't pinpoint a memory to a specific trip, each of those trips has like a different thing, you know, and a different overall feel that kind of connects this, you know, remember this time that, you know, just uh, the most recent trip, my brother-in-law and I going to see Galaxy's Edge for the first time. That's something mm -hmm. that, you know, I have that with him as when he and I talk about our, you know, shared Disney experience. That's something that is different than the shared Disney experience I had with my mom and different yep. than the many experiences I have with my wife. So it is, it is neat to kind of build those connections. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to do that and just have different people you go with and different things you do. I've been with friends. I've been with family members. I've been with extended family members. I've been in large groups. I've been in small groups and everyone is different. I can't say that any two experiences were the same and they're all unique and interesting. And I, I can't say I liked one a whole lot better than another. Um, there are some that I really like and I put at the top of the list and a couple where I, you know, just the, the trip turned out to be sort of a disaster but you, you salvage something from it and you have this great memory anyway, right? That happens every once in a while. Um, and that's unfortunate, but it does happen. And that's especially true when you have large groups. Um, so I, just as a word to the wise, if you can travel in a smaller group, all the better for you. <laughs> just, you know, something I throw out there. You know, and, and the, the big group disasters, I've, I've definitely had my share as well. But it's, I'd like to think that uh, it has also informed the way that we travel as a group. Um, we have made certain uh, ground rules or considered certain things when we go with larger groups to say, okay, maybe we're gonna have one dining reservation today, but even though we may all want fast passes for the same rides, we're not waiting for you to go on this ride. If right. we have a two o'clock fast pass, you know, and we happen to be standing here at two o'clock, we're going on. We're not going to text you and say, where in the park are you? We're not going to stand around and wait. Mm, like, good. Yeah. like we can, you know, interact, but we also kind of have to have that, that, that individual break off time or separate time, you know, and, and, 
and being able to have that discussion to set those parameters that does kind of come out of those uh, disaster trips definitely no. is the need to do that. No, that's good. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. You know, you got to take, got to take the positives away and help yourself the next time you're going to go. Um, that always works out well in some way, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. So Craig, I, I appreciate you taking some time and coming on to my show and, and talking to me about Disney and having a little fun. So where can people find your podcast? Got to do the promotional thing here. Of course. So like I said, it's why I love Disney. Uh, that's in Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on anchor.fm. Uh, the website is, of course, anchor.fm slash Disney underscore W-H-Y. That's also where I can be found on twitter.com. The username is Disney underscore W-H-Y. And we're starting there. Um, we're asking people to kind of just interact with us on Twitter, use the anchor.fm functionality to record uh, thoughts or memories or things that might uh, be evoked by our episodes to send those in and maybe we can use those in a future episode or you know to find additional guests so that's really where we are right now and i'm actually out there too but you'll see plenty of cross posting from those two places that's cool me. and no and that's the thing you know i, I happen to use anchor.fm as well and you know i get some interesting feedback from people sometimes you know some I don't air a lot of it. Um, sorry, sorry, people, I just don't. But I, I might if something's really compelling. But I listen to your feedback, and I want to know. Um, I don't know what you, I want to know what you think. So thank you for giving that to me. Um, and also, you know, please feel free to tweet me anytime or, or go after it. And um, you know, I'm always looking for interesting topics. So if anyone has anything they'd like to hear more about, I'm I'm willing to listen. Um, I'm always always open minded about these things because I want to want to start thinking about some things that I can do now as I head in my second ten years of doing this uh, podcast. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming on. And uh, remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.